Hi, it's Mark Aflalo on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield and myself. Thank you so much for taking a listen to this podcast. Do us a little favor if you would. If you love the show, give us a five-star review and don't forget to follow us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. We appreciate it and we love doing the show for you guys. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. We're back on Your Tech Report. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, obviously, if you want to join on all social media, it is at Your Tech Report. Everywhere uh, you can find us there at Y-O-U-R Tech Report. Uh, I am Mark Aflalo, normally with Mitchell Whitfield. He's uh, stepping aside for the moment because I have two guests, not normally, you know, two guests, normally one guest, but we're joined by Melissa Grant, Director of Product Marketing from Microsoft 365, and Scott Manchester, Partner Director of Program Management for Windows 365. Lady and gentlemen, and thank you so much for being with me this week. Thank you, Mark. So we were super excited when we saw the announcement from Windows 365 for so many different reasons. And we have so many questions to dive in with you, uh, dive into with you. But Melissa, can you start first um, by describing to the audience, for those who haven't listened to last week's show and didn't hear us ramble on for hours about it, describe to the audience what exactly Windows 365 is and who the initial offering is tailored to, because I know this is going to grow. Absolutely. So our vision for Windows 365 is to deliver a complete SaaS service that is a new way to experience a full personalized version of Windows. That can be either Windows 10 or Windows 11 when it launches later this year. And the ability to have that power of the cloud to securely stream that Windows experience, including all your apps, all your data, all your settings to any device. Also, Windows 365 creates a new category of hybrid personal computing that we're calling the cloud PC. And really what this is, is it creates a consistent and persistent relationship between your device and your Windows in the cloud. It simplifies simplifies virtualization and gives organizations a new choice for how they can experience Windows. And in terms of who we think that might be find this useful, We really think this has opportunity for the largest enterprise organizations who are looking to enable hybrid work for a global workforce, all the way down to a small business of one or two people who previously may not have had access to the power and security of the cloud for their business, but with the turnkey solution of Windows 365, they now have that opportunity as well. Now, one of the things we talked about last week when we were talking about the announcement was, you know, from the IT perspective, um, this is an incredible solution to be able to onboard somebody, a new employee who comes into a business literally within minutes and provide them with a full featured Windows desktop on the device that they choose while maintaining all the security that an IT department might want to have. This is quite, quite a feat. Um, if you think back, you know, to the past year, year and a half that we've been dealing with in this pandemic, this would have been a great service to have existed about a year ago. Um, but I know things like this are obviously in the pipeline for quite some time. What was that journey like um, getting from, you know, before there was a pandemic to where we are today with this service offering? And, and did the pandemic help to speed anything up or was this when it was going to be launched in the first place? That's a great question. This is very much a hybrid work solution that was built by hybrid work and during hybrid work. So we had a notion of how to build a simpler virtualization solution 
And Scott started working on this really shortly after we launched Azure Virtual Desktop. And he can tell you a little bit about from the engineering perspective what that looked like. But as we moved into the first phase of the pandemic and everyone went home and everyone lost access to maybe their workstation at work or they were now trying to um, multitask across devices, we really felt like, to your point, can we provide something that is simpler, that allows the IT person within the existing management solution that they are already familiar with to be able to provide this Windows experience that is easy, that's predictable, that works on any device, and really set about to build this just as quickly as we could because we had this notion that, yes, we need to solve for remote work now, but we think that work is going to change. And there was already some elements that were underserved by existing remote desktop or virtualization technologies like contractors, seasonal workers, the gig uh, economy, where really having this ability to have a virtualized desktop, have this Windows stream from the cloud was possible, but not necessarily accessible for IT pros or endpoint managers of all stripes, and certainly very challenging for smaller businesses. You know, Scott, from the technical point of view, you know, with all that experience on the Azure side of things, you know, to our audience, you know, on the business side, I think people are very aware of what Azure is. Um, on the consumer side, I think that they've heard the term. They're not 100% sure what it is. I try to compare Azure to kind of like the AWS of the world because they hear that term a bit more. But it's it's really the business offering and the backbone of, of pretty much everything Microsoft does. So how does this offering differ from what you were already working on in terms of a cloud PC to the consumer point of view, and and to that point, I wanted to kind of throw in here is that on the consumer side, we've seen the success of um, Xbox Cloud Gaming, and I'm curious how that might have tied in to some of the things that we're seeing on the, the Windows side as a service. Yeah, that's a great question, um, and just coincidentally, I had actually worked on some of the earlier game streaming solutions, so that kind of consumer mindset is what I kind of took forward in in the development of Azure Virtual Desktop and now Windows 365 to really build something that, that you know, the average user can be comfortable behind this environment, even if they don't understand all that backend infrastructure like you described around Azure. But Azure is an interesting platform for Microsoft and it enables uh, our customers and partners to build anything they want. It's like a big giant box of Legos and they can formulate any service or any product offering and then resell it to customers and bring value. And it's a set of tools and then users can go build out their own solutions. Azure Virtual Desktop like created this great environment for people to build virtualization solutions using what we call a PaaS-based service or platform as a service. So Azure provides you know, raw compute, we call that IaaS or infrastructure as a service. And then through other service offerings, we create these PaaS offerings. And then we look at um, Windows 365 is something brand new, a brand new category we call Cloud PC, but the closest in-market solution would be SaaS-based DAS solutions. And I know that's a lot of acronyms, <laughs> but SaaS is software as a service and DAS is a term that's kind of been adopted over the last, you know, five, six years. That it, 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 it means a desktop as a service. I'm getting a full desktop delivered to me as an in-service. We saw that as kind of an, an opportunity that led to the the development of Windows 365, but the, the current DAS solutions that, you know, Melissa kind of already addressed this, didn't fully address the, the opportunities that we were seeing even before COVID when we were getting these signals from our customers that they wanted a more finished solution from a single vendor and just get their full Windows experience delivered in the cloud in the same way they've become accustomed to consuming Office and other cloud-based products. 
What was the reaction like from the IT perspective? You know, I'm sure that obviously you've been in beta. We saw the story of the government of Nunavut. What was the IT, uh, the reception there? Was it, was it, you know, work in progress or was it just kind of mind blown? I think it's probably the latter. I, I, I think the government of Nunavut example was was really relevant for what we've heard from other customers as well. Even before we began development, as we we have a, a variety of different councils where we pull in some of our top customers and and primarily focus on the IT folks who give us feedback about you know the products that they're using today and and what they'd like to see from us. And there was a lot of great insight we've learned over the years in, in engaging with that group uh, and these various councils that we have with some of our larger customers but also reaching out to these small businesses that that, uh, Melissa talked about where we haven't been able to reach them because the cost of a virtualization solution for small business typically has this fixed price that you have to amortize it over about 25 to 50 users before the economics really work well. So going into this development, we had all those things in mind. How do we really build products that resonate with IT and build on the existing skill sets they have and, and work within the portals that they've already become accustomed to? And then also build a solution for small businesses where they may not use those IT admin tools and they want a single portal experience. They can go from you know, procurement, deployment, management, and consumption all in a single portal and not have to put those heavy-handed kind of admin tasks in front of them. And we really nailed it um, based on the feedback we've seen so far with our preview customers and in working with analysts and press like yourselves. Uh, it seems like those investments are really resonating and people are seeing this as finally a new opportunity to really reconsider moving more of their compute experience up into the cloud. Um, whereas previous solutions may have been just too much overhead for them to really feel like that, that, was, that they were ready for that at this point. You know, the, the idea of the a cloud desktop isn't isn't unique, but to this scale, it really is something that's totally new. And, you know, I'm, I'm a small business, uh, two employees, and I can see myself absolutely using this. And, and to give you a little background, you know, being in the creative space, um, years ago, I switched to Apple's platform. And but of course, I still use Outlook, I still use Exchange, Office 365, like they're, they're always my go to tools, the ability to have a, a full fledged desktop available to me. Um, on any platform to be able to ditch my laptop and travel with an iPad or a tablet or a Surface um, and be able to have that computing power available to me, even though it's not on that device, is a game changer. It really is a game changer. It allows me to now my brain is now open saying, okay, I can go sit on the beach in Miami and someone calls me up and says, okay, a giant audio session, 64 tracks that normally I'd need my big desktop to to fix something on. I wouldn't I would have had to bring all my gear with me. Now I don't have to because I can I can use that in the cloud, which brings me to my next question, which is, are there any limitations in terms of the type of software? Because you're going to have people that are, you know, into high CAD design, people using HoloLens in the medical field. Are there any restrictions there? Or is this really a Windows 10 desktop, a Windows 11 desktop without those limitations? So there are certain applications that have hardware requirements, things that need to attach physically to the Specialized, PC. Sorry, obviously, yeah. 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 So, but, but general use case scenarios, this is probably the highest fidelity experience you're going to see where apps that just work in on your physical device just work out of the cloud. And that's part of the reason we took this approach of remoting the full desktop and using the same desktop images that admins are deploying on the physical devices. So your app compat story is super high. 
There's no need to worry about running in multiple contexts of apps running in, you know, seem to floating on the surface of your desktop, but actually running in a different context. There's a high cognitive load for end users to, to manage that. You know, file open is opening somewhere else than what they're accustomed to. So we, we put a lot of insight and thought into how do we build something that, that truly is, you know, so you just hand it to somebody and they can be productive behind it and that that app compat story is as high as you could possibly achieve. Now, you, you may be aware in our enterprise space, we have an app assure program also. So when you do encounter an app that may not work the way you'd expect running out of Windows 365, we will work directly with our customers and the ISVs to help correct those applications. But we already made great headway in that space with Azure Virtual Desktop. We've had deep engagement with all the largest ISVs and working with our biggest customers on their personal line of business apps. So we're already in great shape in, in that in that area. You know, going back to my my example of audio production, um, uh, obviously the question has come up about latency. You know, how quick is it going to be to respond when I when I hit that mouse click and and I want to see it on the screen? And my my reaction or my interpretation when I when I talk to people about it, I say think about that that gaming experience that you've been using for the past couple of months. Think about the fact that you're playing a first person point of view racing game, shooting game, flying game. Have you had any issues? Have you had any latency issues? And that's a game. That's not just that's not desktop applications, which really don't need that amount of precision compared to a game. But what what are kind of the minimum requirements here? I'm like, I'm like can I pick up my cell phone and can I use it over an LTE connection without any issues? Yeah, you certainly can. In fact, I travel with my iPad as well, and I've got an LTE uh, you know radio in it, and and I use it all the time to access my Windows 365 desktop in the cloud. Um, and and to your point, you know we've done a lot to reduce latency, and XCloud is a great example. Um, there is innovation that's been happening, you know, for about the last ten years at Microsoft, building a core stack that's shared across XCloud, Windows 365, and Azure Virtual Desktop. And a lot of that gaming scenarios are pushing our innovation, pushing our development of new codecs that are more efficient, uh, that provide better better fidelity being able to create peer-to-peer connections between the endpoint devices and the cloud workloads, uh, shortening that latency time. And then, of course, Azure provides the greatest reach of any public cloud. In fact, greater reach than all the other public clouds combined. So we can get that workload closest to where people physically are and reduce that latency. There are some type of you know, kind of creator applications that are super high sensitivity. And typically when you see someone buying a dedicated hardware device that, that you know, allows them to do this very high fidelity input, those type of workloads probably still would be better served by a physical device. But that that's becoming a more and more smaller window of, of very niche scenarios where you can't accomplish those kind of tasks directly out of the cloud now. Guys, if yeah, you're just... Another don't... way to think about it... Oh, sorry. Another way to think about it is maybe um, to your point of you're using a gaming scenario for as an example. But another way to think about it is um, if you can stream a movie and have a great movie experience on your device, you're going to be able to have a great Windows 365 experience. And we all watch movies <laughs> everywhere we go on a variety of different devices. And that was really the bar that we wanted to provide for ourselves. We continue our conversation with Melissa Grant, Director of Product Marketing for Microsoft 365, and Scott Manchester, Partner Director of Program Management for Windows 365. Uh, Melissa, right, you know, right before the break, you, you talked about, you know, the comparison in terms of latency and, and the various things. And Scott, you were talking about some, you know, third-party hardware. And those are obviously, you know, great examples, which brings me to, you know, a question about just regular third-party hardware. 
printers, um, peripherals and stuff like that. With the computer in the cloud, if I'm sitting there connected on my iPad or, you know, let's say a Chromebook or whatnot, can I still print locally? Will I still have access to that? Can I plug a USB key in and access those files? How does that work? Yeah, there is some great support for uh, for those types of scenarios directly built into our platform. Uh, from an enterprise perspective, we have a new service called Universal Print uh, that works really well with Azure Virtual Desktop and, of course, Windows 365 that allows you to either buy a printer that natively supports Universal Print, uh, or you can use a proxy and take an existing printer, use a proxy service, and be able to reach that printer from those cloud workloads in a seamless way. So effectively, you install a, a driver on your machine that um, that is hosted out of the cloud, but allows you to print to local printers. Um, and then, of course, we support USB redirection as sort of a generic uh, device redirection technology. So if you plug a device into the the or you plug it like a USB device into the machine that you're connecting up to your Windows 365 cloud PC, we'll remote that USB device up to that cloud device. So things like storage, you know, USB flash drive or something like that work quite well. Now, of course, on our enterprise offering, we also give IT admins control over setting policies around that. So if their goal is to establish you know, a, a workload that, that doesn't allow anything to be stored locally or any files to be taken out of that, that work environment to a local device, then they can block that type of connectivity as well. So it gives you the ability to set up a very secure environment, but also allows some flexibility to print and 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 access local storage, depending on IT policies. Yeah, at SiriusXM, we have obviously really strict privacy rules when it comes to content like music and licensing and stuff like that. So there are certain workstations you cannot plug in any external, you know, you know, peripherals in there. There's some that are virtual, et cetera, et cetera, which is which is pretty cool. Um, you know, let's talk about scalability here because in the announcement we saw a $30 price point for a configuration. I think it's two CPUs. I don't remember exactly what the configuration is, and we'll see the whole gamut. Obviously, on August August the second. But what about scalability? What if you know someone comes on board in the company and they get a promotion, they get a new job, and suddenly they need more horsepower, they need more RAM, they need more storage? Is that something that we're going to have to, you know, previously you'd send a computer in or you get a new computer, but can we now just scale this with the flip of the switch? Essentially, yes. And that was one of the things that we really wanted to solve for with Windows 365, because we know that the uh, the people's needs change. Maybe they are working on a different project. Uh, maybe they're changing and consulting with a different company. And they may need different horsepower, as you said, for the different work that they're doing. So the ability to scale up and scale down and also be able to do that with predictability in the pricing was something that our customers were really asking for. So they want to be able to know exactly how much they're going to pay on a monthly basis for the configuration that they're selecting, but also have the ability to change that configuration based on people's needs. So we have a a broad set of configurations available and it's extremely easy again, right within that management console with just a couple of clicks to change the configuration in order to meet a new set of needs. So you're basically, you know, it's funny, I'm curious because, you know, Microsoft has a lot of partners on the hardware side of things. You know, you think about your Dells, your HPs, your Lenovo's. Um, Are they not too happy with you guys right now because you're cannibalizing some sales? Or do they look at the positive perspective, which is you still need a machine to get onto this stuff. And of course, people, especially on the business side, are still going to continue having those machines in their environment. 
Absolutely. We fully believe that your PC experience is still going to be primary uh, for a lot of the work that you do. What we really wanted to make sure to ensure with Windows 365 is that you had a Windows experience that traveled with you wherever you are, because we don't always sit at our desk in front of our PC. Like you said, you might take your iPad to the beach. You might be working um, in an office environment on a dedicated device. So the ability to have this consistent Windows experience that's personalized to you, but secured in the cloud across any device is something that our customers really needed. And the ability to have that same experience and that same level of security, whether you're working on a personal device or a corporate managed device was really important because people are moving between home-based offices, maybe they're working in remote or branch locations or on-site, back in the office. And we see this mix, this hybrid work and hybrid environment mix continuing. And so the ability to pick up right where you left off because you're booting directly to your secure cloud PC was really something that our customers wanted to be able to have. But you're absolutely right, Mark, at the end of the experience is going to be a device. And we see a lot of opportunity, A, for our Windows PC experience to continue to grow and expand, but also opportunity for interesting new dedicated devices and endpoints that are tailored for specific scenarios. And we're very excited to partner uh, with all of our ecosystem partners who are absolutely critical to Microsoft's success. How does it work in terms of Windows updates and things like that, that now as obviously uh, w because Windows is, is no longer a perpetual license and then people are obviously paying for this on a monthly basis, um, are we still going to have to manually install updates like a regular desktop or are these things going to be a little bit more automated or a little bit more invisible in the background? So, you know, we kind of took a two, two, two different approaches here for our enterprise solution where typical large enterprises have an existing workflow they use today for patching and updating their physical devices. We wanted to be able to build on those same processes and skills that they've already developed in managing their physical estate and allow them to leverage those with Windows 365 as well. Now, of course, we didn't just stop there. We wanted to give them additional tools beyond what they have today. So for instance, we provide highly curated images that you can use to build your Windows 365 estate from. Um, and you can also easily um, group a, a set of Windows devices, let's say your physical devices and the virtual devices and push out policies and updates and settings across that combined group. So you don't have to think about the, the Windows 365 cloud PCs different than your physical devices. Now, the business solution, as we pointed out before, we wanted to go beyond that simple uh, processes and workflows that large enterprises use and give them a set of tools that allowed them to easily manage this. Because in most cases, nobody's got you know a, you know high level of IT experience. They're small businesses doing things like you here, you know, operating your your um, podcast and other things. Um, so we wanted to build a set of tools and workflows there that matched their needs. And in those cases, we provide a standard Windows update model for them. So the default settings of the images are just to take the updates the same way their physical devices do, and they don't necessarily have to have a centralized workflow for managing those updates. And of course, they get the, the latest and greatest starter Windows image when they do deploy. Um, so they would get those monthly updates just like any other physical device. That's really cool. I'm guessing on the image side as well, companies uh, will be able to create their own image once, you know, with, with the applications and stuff and just easily deploy those across new users. 
Yeah, so they can start with the, their existing images they use on physical devices and, and work from there, or they can take our standard gallery images and, and build out those with different settings, pre-installed apps, and, and perhaps even targeted different instances of those for different uh, groups within their organization. So perhaps there's an accounting image, right, that has all their accounting apps and an engineering image that has all their engineering apps. Um, there's a lot of flexibility that Microsoft Endpoint Manager provides uh, for customers to build the most optimal workflows to service, you know, their users. And we wanted to ensure we could build on those same skill sets and investments that they've made. I'm so, so excited for this, guys. Um, what are the minimum requirements in terms of um, a, a business plan um, for me to, to get on board? Do, are, are there minimum requirements? Because I know, you know, there's e- different types of licensing and all that stuff that we have to try and work our, our brains around. But is there a minimum or can we just sign up as a business user? Yeah, there's three different ways that you can get Windows 365. Um, If you're a small business, you can either purchase through a CSP, and we have wonderful um, partners that support our small business and medium-sized business environment. You can also purchase it directly through windows365.com, and that will provide you that simplified console where you can do all all of that um, very easy management that Scott just uh, described. And you can also pick the configuration of Windows 365 that's right for you. As an enterprise customer, you can also work through a partner and you can add Windows 365 to your existing enterprise agreement. As an enterprise customer, as Scott described, we um, we facilitate uh, Windows 365 through Microsoft Endpoint Manager. So you do need to have either Microsoft 365 E3 or uh, EMS, um, our, our enterprise mobility as, and security solution. That gives you access to Microsoft Endpoint Manager, which is your unified management console. So you can manage your Windows 365 cloud PCs right alongside your physical PCs and your virtualized endpoints. Awesome. Uh, Melissa, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I'm sure I'll have tons more questions, but we'll save that for another day after we get some hands-on time again. August 2nd is the release, exactly? That is correct. Thank you guys so much for being here. We're going to take a quick break and come back and wrap up the show. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.